Amen. All right. Hi. Good morning. Good to be with you, worshiping and uh, learning together, and glad to see you this morning. We're in a series that uh, you could have picked any number of different metaphors for uh, describing what we're going to be talking about early this fall, these first six weeks we started last Sunday. A lot of metaphors used to describe life out of control. You know, they talk about when uh, the bottom falls out of your life or the wheels come off, Right or it hits the fan, or, uh, you know, things spiral out of control. A lot of different word pictures that people have for describing what we're calling uh, turbulence. And we began this study last week. We're going to continue this conversation for six Sundays. And what's nice about this is uh, it's not, uh, there's a cumulative effect to what we're going to do, but you don't have to, there's not a chronological need to be here for you know, if you missed last week, you're still, we're still, you don't have to catch up. You'd be good to go back and look, but, but really, uh, every Sunday, very freestanding, and uh, hopefully every Sunday will bring to you some of the perspective that you need for uh, your times of turbulence. Now, everyone, well, maybe not everyone, there are probably a couple of exceptions here in the room, but probably not very many. Most of us, at some time or another in our lives, we've flown on a commercial airline. And if you've ever flown on a commercial airline, then pretty much all of us who have, have had uh, a very similar experience. We've all heard the same speech. It doesn't matter if you were flying for business or pleasure. It doesn't matter if you were flying first class or uh, business class or economy class or this new class. I don't know if you knew this. It sounds like a joke, but it's not a joke. There is a new. They're coming up with a new class for passengers that is below economy. Isn't that exciting? Below economy, and the pundits call it last class. It has less frills than you get with economy. What were those frills again? (laughs) Less frills than you get with economy. Last class, and I don't know where they put you in the cargo hold or where for sure, but but even if you were in the cargo hold, you would have heard this same speech. It doesn't matter if you're flying halfway around the world or just between here and Seattle. Uh, We've all heard the same speech. Speech At the beginning of every flight, a flight attendant stands at the front of the airplane and gives a safety speech. And what she does, or he does, I'm going to call her a she, it's, it's pretty much the most boring three minutes of the whole flight. She points out where the emergency exits are. She tells you what to do in the event of a sudden loss of cabin pressure. She explains where you'll find your flotation device And then at the very end, she even tells you how to buckle your seatbelt, and everybody rolls their eyes. You look around during those three minutes, and you'll notice no one's paying attention. People are are talking with uh, the person that they came with, or they're introducing themselves to the person they're sitting beside. They might even be reading their in-flight magazine, which shows you just how bored they are. Uh, they're, They're... even the people who are trying not to, even the people who know that they're, they're good students and they're, they're supposed to pay attention, even they are bored. Uh, it's, just, it's just how that is. But I want you to th- imagine how different 
it would be if one day the flight attendant stood up in front of everyone and said this, Ladies and gentlemen, I need to let you know today that we're going to be flying through a severe weather pattern. The pilot has asked me to inform you that at some point during this flight, we're going to encounter severe turbulence, about 45 minutes of it. Because our plane will drop hundreds of feet in just seconds, you will need to have your seatbelt buckled firmly around your waist. After about 45 minutes, we'll experience a sudden loss of cabin pressure. Your oxygen mask will fall from the ceiling. You will need it because there will be no oxygen at our altitude. Uh, After about 45 minutes, part of the fuselage will peel off and we'll be forced to make an emergency landing. You'll need to utilize the emergency exit nearest you and the evacuation chute will deploy. Please bring your flotation device as we will be landing on a large body of water. Now, look around you and find the emergency exit nearest you. Let me tell you how to use your oxygen mask. Let me let you know where to find that flotation device. And if you would allow me one last favor, let me show you how to make sure your seatbelt is properly buckled. Now, most of the time, that's a pretty boring speech. But I'll bet that on that day, on that airplane, during that speech, you could hear a pin drop. Because all of a sudden, turbulence is no longer theoretical. It's no longer something that happens to somebody else. It's something that's going to be happening to you. And when you're headed for turbulence, all of a sudden those things that just kind of go in one ear and out the other, all of a sudden when you're going through turbulence, those things that you just took for granted before, you want to know the details now. Because you know that you're going to be going through turbulence. And so those things start to matter a lot. Well, today I am your flight attendant. I'm your flight attendant, and there is turbulence ahead. You may already be in turbulence. If you're not in turbulence this morning, your life kind of out of control, then you're just in between. There is turbulence ahead. And the most important resource that you have during a time of turbulence is your view of God. What, uh, how you view God, who He is, what He's like, and who you are to Him. That's the most important thing that you carry with you into a time of turbulence. And this morning, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that is going to help inform you when it comes to who God is. We're going to look at a a passage of Scripture that has truths that will matter to you in a time of turbulence. You will want to know these. We're going to look at a great passage of Scripture and talk about them. Now, if you're in turbulence this morning, you're like ready to open your Bible right now. You're like, where is it? I want to look at it. Let's go there now. We will in just a minute. But first, I want to talk to those of you who are not in a time of turbulence right now. Sure, you've got your hassles, you know, you've got your daily annoyances, but you are not really in a life-threatening crisis right now. There isn't anything going on that makes you feel like life is out of control. You actually feel like you're in a pretty good place. Well, you are in danger this morning listening to this message. You're in danger And here's the danger that you face. We're going to talk about something so basic this morning that you risk, you risk tuning out. 
you risk treating the next several minutes as just another flight attendant's speech. And you risk letting what we're going to talk about this morning go into the Sunday school compartment of your brain. Every one of us who's ever been to church more than a few times, and especially those of us who have been a lot, we, we end up developing this Sunday school part of our brain. And that's where we put information and facts and Bible knowledge. We put them all there, but we never really learn what to do with those pieces of information. And so often over time when we become adults, we uh, still know those facts and we think that's enough. But it's like we, we've sat through the safety speech so many times that it, that, that it doesn't mean anything to us anymore. And then when we actually do hit turbulence, we're, we're without resources. We finally do hit turbulence and we don't know what to do. So if you're not in turbulence this morning, you need to watch out for that. You need to watch out because I guarantee you that the things we're going to talk about this morning, you will want with you. You will want to access when you're going through your time of life challenge. And you don't want to hit turbulence and say, what was that again? So, that's my warning to those of you who are, in, who are not in turbulence this morning. And so, with that in mind, I'd like us to open our Bibles to a great passage about God. It's Psalm 139. So, Psalm 139, an important feature of this study turbulence is that every Sunday we're going to look at a really important section of Scripture. Last week we looked at a big chunk of Scripture, Isaiah 44 and 45. We aren't always going to look at big, extensive passages, but we're always going to look at very important Scriptures every Sunday. And this morning we're in Psalm 139. And the chances are you've seen this passage before. So, warning again, don't let your familiarity with this passage dole you to the powerful and amazing things it says about God. Now we're going to read the whole psalm, and as we do, I want you to notice how personal this psalm is. This psalm says, right under the, uh, the subscription, it says it's a psalm of David. That means that David wrote this psalm. And it's very personal between David and God. I want you to notice how many times you see the personal pronouns, especially you and me. You is God. Me is David. Or me or I, all right? And I want you to notice just how personal this psalm is. And we'll begin reading. Psalm 139. O Yahweh, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Yahweh. You hem me in behind and before, in front and in back, all right? You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, the word is Sheol, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. 
your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you, and the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All, your, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Yahweh, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a beautiful psalm. Now, I know it takes a turn there at the end. I've always found that, honestly, just I've always found that a little disappointing in this psalm. Because you're like going and going and going, and you, you're appreciating what's being said, and all of a sudden you're running this thing about the bloodthirsty man at the end. And, and I've always felt like, well, what's, that's kind of a weird little turn of events. And, and it is. But here's what it shows, this talk about enemies and the wicked at the end of the psalm. Here's what it shows. It shows that David wrote this psalm during a time of turbulence. He wrote this psalm when he was in a time of turbulence. And his own, in his own life pain, he explores some proven truths about God that can give comfort and encouragement to us when we are in a time of turbulence. And there are three qualities in this psalm. The psalm actually divides really nicely. Not every psalm does this, but this psalm divides really nicely. It's really four different uh, stanzas of six verses each. The whole psalm is 24 verses long, and really the stanzas, stanzas are six verses, six verses, six verses, six verses. And they're each about a different subject that... Uh, teaches us something important that we need to know in a time of turbulence. So we're going to take a look at these qualities in the first three stanzas, and then when we're done, we're going to pull it all together into three things that you can know when you're in a a time of turbulence. So the first thing to know comes from this first set of six verses, and you read those, and you just kind of begin reading, and you get a clue of, of what it's about. These first six verses tell us that God knows everything. God knows everything. Now, if you're not careful, what I just said went into the Sunday school part of your brain. Right? You're like, oh yeah, I knew that. Right? No, be careful. Don't let it go into the wrong compartment of your brain because you will need this in a time of turbulence. The fact that God knows everything will be vitally important to you when you're in turbulence. And this psalm describes God's comprehensive knowledge of everything. Big, small, past, present, future, 
uh, actual and possible, God knows it all. It's that quality of God's that we call omniscience. Omniscience. But instead of a clinical description of God's omniscience, it's a very personal description. It's not just that God knows everything about everything. Here's the deal. God knows everything about you. Now that helps get it into the right compartment. God knows everything about you. And you see that in verses 1 through 4. Oh God, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. God knows everything, yeah, but God knows everything about you. He knows everything about you. When you got up this morning, He knows what you got up thinking. He knows when you'll get up tomorrow morning or whether you'll get up. He knows what what you're thinking right now. Hey, God even knows what you're going to say before you say it. Let's be honest, half the time, you don't even know that. You know what that means? That God knows everything about you? It means that when you're in a time of turbulence and life challenge and turmoil and confusion, God knows what you're going through. He knows what you're experiencing. See, God knows what has happened to you. He not only knows what's happening to you right now, He knows all the things that happened to you before that make this moment so painful. He knows all those things about you. God knows you. He knows you're afraid. He knows you're angry. He knows that you are hurting. He knows that you are fearful. He knows that you feel like you're at the end of your rope. And one more thing, you can't handle this one more thing. He knows that that is how you feel. He knows that because he knows everything about you. He knows you in your most intimate moments. He knows you in your inward fears and thoughts. He knows you in a way. He knows you better than you know yourself in the way that the the one who made something knows it better than it, it can itself. God knows every possible thing there is to know about you, and that's amazing. Verse 6 says it's amazing. Verse 6, David says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too lofty for me to attain. I think one of the reasons that we kind of put God's omniscience in the wrong department, compartment in our brain is because we, we can't even appreciate what it means to know everything. And so it's so far beyond our ability that we don't even know exactly what to do with it. It is too wonderful for us to comprehend, but it is what is true about God. He knows everything. That means he knows everything about you. Second stanza. The second thing we see is not only does God know everything, God is everywhere. See the clue in verse 7 that tells us there's a change of subject. Uh, Where can I go from your spirit? It's not so much about knowing now, it's about going. Where can I go away from you? 
and, and the answer is you can't because God is everywhere. Now, that's called the doctrine of God's omnipresence. Don't let that go in the wrong compartment. God is everywhere. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, but even the darkness will be not dark to you, and the night will shine like the day. The darkness is like light to you. God is everywhere. He is entirely present. This is the doctrine of omniscience. God is entirely present in all places at all times. Mind-blowing about God's amazing nature, His, His hugeness. But that is who God is everywhere, entirely present in all places at all times. And it doesn't matter where you go. The psalmist David here, he goes high and low. He goes up to the heavens and down to the depths. The word is the Hebrew word shoal. Shoal, which sometimes means just a grave that you get buried in, but is often used more uh, figuratively of the place of the dead, the netherworld, okay, the underworld. And so David says, I can go as high as the heavens, I can go as low as the underworld. And you're there. So high and low. Far and wide, uh, verse 9 says, If I rise on the wings of the dawn, so think of the sun come at the dawn. The dawn, it dawns in the east. Think of a person who lives in Israel, right? And let's say Jerusalem, where David lived. And he's thinking of uh, the, the wings of the dawn, where the sun comes up in the east. And then he talks about, uh, uh, if I settle on the far side of the sea. So, so this is the Mediterranean Sea over here, and it's where the sun sets. So if I go from the wings of the dawn all the way to the far side of the sea, you are with me. High and low, far and wide, dark and light, everywhere he goes, God is there. You know what that means? If God is everywhere, then he is where you are. Look at the personal pronouns in verses 7 through 12. I mean, just personal pronouns. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. God is wherever you are. Now, that cuts both ways, doesn't it? That can be comforting or uncomfortable, disconcerting, depending on where you are. But when you're in a time of turbulence, it is comforting. God is with you. He is everywhere that you are. All right. God knows everything. He is everywhere. That means He knows everything about you, and He is everywhere you are. But this third truth is the clincher. The God who knows where you are and is where you are is personally involved in your life. That's what the next several verses show us, beginning in verse 13. 
For you created my inmost... Let me stop here. Let me say, before we read this, it is easy when you're in a time of turbulence to... to to know, I mean, I mean, you grew up, maybe you grew up in church. You, you can't remember a time when you didn't follow Jesus. Or you know, you, reached, you do remember a time when you didn't follow Jesus and you made a life decision and you, that has changed your life. And, and so you don't have any doubts about the fact that God exists. You don't have any doubts about the fact that He's there. But you know what? I find it sometimes difficult, even though I know God's there, I sometimes find it difficult to believe that He's really involved in the details of my life especially in a time of turbulence. It's like, God, I know you're there, but I don't think you're doing what you ought to be doing right now. Right? And this is why I want to remind you of that feeling so that when we read these verses, you understand that that is, that is not true, that God is intimately involved in the details of our lives. Verse 13, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, you saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. This is the God who formed you. That's who we're talking about this morning. The God whose name is Yahweh, the Lord. He is the one who formed you. He made you. He made you as an embryo in your mother's womb. Now, yes, he used chromosomes and uh, biology and processes that he had designed, but God was still directly involved in forming you. Your mind, your body, your soul, God made you. And not only did he make you, but he's got your number. Verse 16 says that, that he knows, he's got a book with your days in it. And He knows how many there are, when they begin, and when they end. He's got a book. He not only formed you, He knows your number. Every day you get out of bed, it's already in God's book. And finally, the most, maybe the most amazing statement in the whole psalm, verses 17 and 18, where it talks about God's thoughts towards us. Verse 17, How precious to me, are your thoughts, O oh God. The, the actual idea here is you could change the word from to me to like about me. How precious about me are your thoughts. Your thoughts about me is the idea. God has thoughts about you. He has thoughts about you and his relationship with you and his plan for you. And David says, if I were to count them, if I were to count the, the thoughts that you have towards me, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Put it this way. God has infinite thoughts about you. Infinite thoughts about you. Now, technically, maybe infinite is not technically correct, but God's thoughts about you are greater than the number of sand, uh, grains of sand on the beach. 
So you can count them if you want to, but for purposes of time this morning, I'm just going to round it up to infinite. Is that okay? God has infinite thoughts about you. He is always aware of everything about you at every moment. Wow, such knowledge is too wonderful for us. That's remarkable. And at the end of all this, this realization that God knows everything about you, He is everywhere you are, and, and he, is, he is intimately involved in the details of your life. You just got to kind of stop and take a breath and let that sink in. That's tremendous teaching about who God is, His bigness, His majesty, His awesomeness. I want to make sure that we build a bridge between this knowledge and our lives, especially our times of turbulence. So what I want to do is I want to reflect on these truths. I want to turn each of these truths into something you, you can really hold on to. So that when we walk out this morning, we haven't just gotten more stuff in the wrong compartment of our brain, but that we've, we're actually, we actually have something we can hold on to. So, three truths that come out of these truths. And the first of those, these are things you can hold on to in a time of turbulence. The first of those is that when you're going through a time of turbulence, you can know that you are not unknown. You are not unknown. Someone is aware of exactly what's going on with you. And when you're in a, when you're in a time of turbulence and challenge, you've got to know that. You want to know that so bad, don't you, that someone else knows what you're going through? Our spouses, they can, they can care for us, but sometimes they, they, even our spouse doesn't really know exactly how it feels. They don't know what we're experiencing as much as they might try. But this truth about God tells us that God does know and for someone who's experiencing a level of pain, there is tremendous value in knowing that, some, that we are not unknown, that someone gets what we are going through. Every other human being can only enter our pain and confusion up to a certain level. But God knows you. He has explicit knowledge of the details of your life, explicit knowledge of the circumstances. He knows all the parts of what you're going through that hurt. In the, in the exact way that they hurt. So you are not unknown. Second, this psalm teaches us that in your time of turbulence, you are not alone. God is with you in your time of turbulence. He is literally present with you in your pain. Now, when David wrote this, it, David wrote this in, in the Old Testament. And people who, who followed God in the Old Testament did not experience the, the full presence of God like we can today thanks to Jesus. Believers in the Old Testament didn't have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. But a Jesus follower, a person who's turned to Jesus since Jesus has come, can experience the full indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What that means is that God can be present with you and is present with you in your turbulence in a way even that David didn't experience. So God is present with you. You are not alone. You are not alone. And not only that, he's not just present with you, but he knows how to suffer with you. 
your God is a God who actually came to earth to suffer. He knows what it is to suffer. Isaiah describes Jesus as a man, a man of suffering familiar with pain. A man of suffering familiar with pain, Isaiah 53.3. Jesus gets pain. He is a Savior who relates to suffering because he suffered on your behalf. So let that soak in and know that you are not alone in your time of turbulence. And this is true even if you got where you are right now by your own bad choices. God is still with you. What? You mean God's even with you if you did stupid stuff? Yes, even if you are the cause of your own turbulence, God is with you. How can you say that? Well, the psalm here says you can go to hell. You can go all the way down to hell and God will be there. So surely he is with you when you did stupid stuff to get where you are. You may need to make some life adjustments in order to experience God's help from here on out. But God is present with you even if you got where you are by your own bad choices. You are not alone. You are not unknown. And third, your life is not out of control. If God is intimately involved in the details of your life, if he is the God who created you and numbered all of your days, then your life is not out of control. It may be out of your control. It probably is. When you're in a time of turbulence, uh, you do not have a high control factor over your life, right? You're just kind of like experiencing things as they happen to you. A lot of stuff is out of your control, but it's not out of God's control. In a time of turbulence, the God who knows you and is present with you is also intimately involved in all the details of your life. So here's the deal. There are, there are, when we're in turbulence, it feels like we're in free fall, right? Life in free fall. But the truth is, God has his hands right there. He's ready to catch us. He's there with us. So if you could just muster the faith to say, isn't this exhilarating? <laughs> if you could do that, that would be a lot of faith. That's a lot of faith just to be able to say, isn't this exhilarating? I wonder how this is going to turn out. The truth is, it's scary to not be in control of your life. It's a scary thing, but you can take comfort in knowing that God is in control. You are not unknown. You are not alone. Your life is not out of control. So these are three things that you can hang on to. And something happens when you hang on to these truths, and we see it in the rest of the psalm. Something happens, first of all, when you're hanging on to these truths, it drives out worry. Notice verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, so verse 23, search me and know my anxious, my worried thoughts. All the things I'm fearful about, God, 
knowing these things about God, that, he, that you are not alone, that you are not unknown, and that your life is not out of control, has the potential to drive out worry from your life. It can drive out worry, and you can transition from panic to peace. One of my prayers for you this morning has been that, that, that those who come this morning with, some, with panic would be able to leave with a fuller measure of peace. That the truths of Psalm 139 for you would drive out your worry. Drive out your worry so that you could say, isn't this exhilarating? I'm trusting God on this. And that you could genuinely do that. These truths have the potential to drive out worry. And the second thing they can do is not only can they drive out worry, but these truths can also drive out sin. Verse 24, see if there is any offensive way in me. All of us have parts of our lives that can keep us from experiencing as much of God's help and presence as we'd like to. And one of the things that God does in these times of turbulence is He refines us and He drives out other things that we're trusting. He drives out behaviors uh, and relationships that are keeping us from experiencing His full help. We'll talk some more about that a little bit down the road, but just want you to see how even in this psalm, these truths about who God is, they have the potential to drive out worry, drive out sin, and enable us to drive us to trust God alone. You are not an unknown, you are not alone, and your life is not out of control. If you're in a time of turbulence this morning, I hope that these are things that you can hang on to. If you're not, I hope that you will file these away in your heart and not the wrong part of your brain and that you will be able to draw on these kind of break in case of gla- uh, you know, break glass in case of emergency that you'll find something there when you do. That you'll find these three truths that you can count on about who God is. And here's one thing that we ought to reflect on before we finish this psalm. The personal nature of this psalm, you, me, you, me, that kind of intimate relationship with God, that the only reason that we have that is because one person in the Godhead took on human flesh, lived and died in our place so that our offenses could be driven away and our relationship with God could be repaired. It's all because of what Jesus has done for us. So that's why we have this kind of relationship with God. And if you're this morning, that's never, you've never really reached that point. You're not sure you have that kind of relationship with God. You need to know that really the very first door you need to go through is the door of putting your trust in Jesus as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. That's where this relationship with God begins. If you don't know what that means, you want to learn more about it, uh, you, you need to take that step, or you want to make sure you've done that, then I'd love to talk to you. You could talk to someone who brought you to Trinity. You could talk to one of the pastors. You could put a note on your connection card, and we'd love to have that conversation with you so that you can have the same kind of access to God that's described in this passage. Here's what I'd like to do this morning. I want to pray for those who are in a time of turbulence. That's really what I want to do. So I want to give all of us a minute to, to pause and kind of let these things soak in. So if, you will, uh, if you're not in a time of turbulence, if you'll just think about these things and uh, ask God to help you remember these things when you need them.
If you are in a time of turbulence, I want to give you a minute to talk to God, just you and Him, and then I want to pray especially for you. So let's bow our heads and take just a couple of minutes between you and the Lord. Father, we are so thankful today that you are a God that can be known and that you made all the arrangements through Jesus for us to be able to be, belong to you and to be able to uh, rely on you like we see described here in this psalm. To be able to relate to you in this way and to be able to experience the benefits of your amazing nature. And I want to pray for those here this morning who are in a time of life challenge. They really are at the end of their rope. They don't know what to do. They're, they're struggling with things that have happened to them, struggling with the way life has turned out, the way life is turning out, struggling maybe even with uh, their own choices that they've made that have brought them into this time of turmoil. And my prayer is that you will give them uh, deep encouragement from this psalm that you will encourage them about your nature, who you are, and who they are to you. And that they will leave this morning having transitioned some, maybe in some significant ways, from panic to peace. I pray that you'll continue your good work in all of us. And we ask it through Jesus. Amen.